This is the Park Scope Unprofessional Podcast Hour, Season 2, Episode 1, with special guests Seth Kaberski and Derek Bergen. open. We're at the Indiana Jones Adventure. In Anaheim, California. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Parkscope Unprofessional Podcast Hour. My name is Joe. Joining me tonight is Mike. Mike, how are you doing? What was what did you do for uh, New Year's Eve? I watched the um, Peach Bowl between um, Duke and um, what was it A and M. Very A&M nice. Pulled it out their butt at the end. <laughs> Unprofessional podcast, everyone. Yep. Also joining us tonight is Nick. Nick, what'd you do for uh, New Year's Eve? Uh, we had a little family get together for our chili cook-off thing that we always have every year, and then um, we went over to um, a friend's house to watch the the ball drop and have a get together party type thing. Who won the chili cook-off? I don't know. Yeah. It, it was just eight. We don't really do a cook-off. <laughs> it's just eating. <laughs> Every, everyone wins in a cook-off. Exactly. It's just chili. So. It's chili. It's delicious. Also joining us tonight is very special guest Seth uh, Kaberski. Um, from various places like touring plans and other things like that, right? Right. Uh, touring plans, uh, Sorry. various books, unofficial guide. Can you hear me? Yes, yeah. we can hear you. Awesome. <laughs> You're going to have to edit that in post. <laughs> um, books, internet, hanging around theme parks. Uh, yeah. I had a great New Year's Eve. Um, home with the wife, a few friends. Listening to our redneck neighbors set off more fireworks than the Epcot holiday tag. Ah, just like awesome. uh, Epcot Servo. <laughs> 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 and for those uh, playing at home, I was in Dayton, Ohio for my New Year's Eve. So there you go. Um, we have a great show for you tonight. Uh, we're starting season two of our podcast. We have some new editing. We have some new various things going on. We're going to have additional guests tonight and hosts who are not here right now joining in uh, once they actually stop playing their Wii U. And um, it'll, it'll be a fun time. They'll be singing, they'll be dancing, it'll be just a, fe- a festive, you know, holiday, whatever. Anyway, let's start off um, with probably one of the more interesting things that's come from this week. Uh, new Twitter account, at Amusement Leaks, Amusement Leaks on Twitter. Um, these guys have been posting uh, various blueprints, for Potter Fantasyland and Universal Studios Florida. Um, and it's been very casual about it. They haven't been really advertising. They just post the photos. They usually tag a few people to it. Um, uh, Mike, what's your thoughts on this right now? It's it's very interesting. Uh, you know, I wonder who it is, and hopefully they don't get caught. Um, you know, 
it's pretty much every project. And just a few minutes ago, there was something from Bush Gardens, Tampa. So. Oh. Um, Seth, any ideas or inputs you want to put into this? I, I haven't seen the Bush Gardens one yet. Yeah, I, I obviously I have to get on my iPad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah, you know, uh, it kind of came out of the blue, and I think what's interesting about it, everything that we've seen so far, I haven't seen whatever just went up for Bush Gardens, but it, it's not necessarily old news, but it's it's stuff that we've seen in bits and pieces over the last few months or, or years. But what's curious to me is that they're totally intact with the uh, the block, the the letterhead for the companies involved. And usually that's the first thing that someone uh, obscures when they're going to leak something like this. Yeah, the blueprint um, frame around that, that generalists, yeah. you know, um, who's, who's on the drawings and all that stuff. Which is the kind of thing that uh, if you wanted to track down where it would come from, uh, you'd start with that. Um, so I, I really hope that uh, no one's going to lose their job over that one. Yeah, it, I'm looking at the Bush Gardens one right now. That seems to be a general um, park layout with a quote-unquote site uh, labeled on it, and I'm not really sure what that site is. It's hard to tell. Um, it's near. I, I mean, Seth, maybe you're uh, used to this more, but it's. I'm looking it's like, for it right now. Yeah, it's it's right near the Congo River Rapids and the Sky Ride Station. Congo River Rapids and Skyride Station. I'm going to have to look at a map. Okay. Maybe by the end of the show we can. <laughs> That's our teaser for uh, staying into the end of the show. <laughs> As we will reveal all the secrets. Um, you know, yeah, at, I, at first sorry, glance, that, you, know, you could say they don't show much, um, but I, I would disagree. And um, the one that I find most interesting is the overall um, land plan for Diagon Alley, where it's the the same thing we're used to seeing, but there's a few little extra details that weren't there before. Absolutely, Nocturne Alley. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah um, Nocturne Alley is the big one, I think. Most of us uh, haven't seen that before. Yeah, and and even then, I mean, we've got the general outline of of the building, and we've got what looks might be staircases, um, but you're not going to learn anything uh, from those plans about what's really going on inside. But it, it is a, another piece of the puzzle that we haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah um, Nick, do you have any inputs? I was just going to say that like the Diagon Alley one kind of showed you different alleyways and ways in and out that I don't think we really thought that there was going to be, like the multiple entrances and exits to Nocturne Alley that we kind of thought that, that was just going to be like a line that you go in and a walk through and then you exit out of. And it actually looks like it's going to be a space that you can go in. So it's kind of neat to see that some of this stuff is going in different directions than even what we, we kind of thought it was. So. Yeah, it seems like Nocturne Alley is going to be some sort of center showpiece uh, with that. I mean, there's been rumors of, a, of some sort of walkthrough attraction or show, and it finally looks like or sounds like um, that may be happening, that they're going to offer that similar to uh, uh, Ollivander's. Yeah, um, the, word, the words that keep coming up to me are interactive, uh, Interactive and walk through, um, <laughs> and what exactly that means is is your guesses because mine right now. Yeah, um, just looking at the Bush Gardens Tampa one right now. It looks like this is right in Stanleyville area, um, the northern yeah. part of it. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now, and it looks like 
okay, this is the area that's uh, got bordered on the north by Congo River Rapids and uh, by the south by the uh, Tidal Wave Ride, and then you've got... Now, is that... This, is, this has got to be a little bit old, at least, because it's still labeled Timbuktu. Mm-hmm. Um, is Cheetah Hunt on this? I don't see Cheetah Hunt. This looks like... Uh, this looks like a few years old, and is that? Hmm. I'm gonna have to go and grab uh, some of my old Bush Gardens maps, but I don't know. Is that patch where Shikra is now? Because uh, I, think I think I'm I think I'm looking at the two, the tidal wave, and then the other older uh, uh, log flume ride. And I believe that's... Is that where Shikra is? Because I see the bumper cars there. I might be totally off, though. I thought I thought Shikra was a little bit further south in Stanleyville than that, but I, I've only been there, like, once, so that's just going off of my mind. This is, this is definitely an older piece because it still has Clydesdale stables labeled uh-huh. on it. Um, it's got the intact Rhino Rally uh, before it was cut for um, Cheetah Hunt. So it's still labeled, yeah, uh, Land of the Dragons. So this is even before mm-hmm. Sesame Street. So it's an interesting uh, for like historical purposes, but I think this is kind of like that map of uh, Universal Studios Florida that was published earlier that still had Back to the Future on it. Is, I don't think you're going to find any uh, new clues in here. Isn't that where um, I'm looking at the map now? That's the the Jung the Jungalia, or however you say it, area, is where that is. Is, is is that's it? why it's got marked, yeah. Okay. From what I'm looking right. at the Bush Gardens. That I've makes been... more sense. Shows you how often I go to Bush Gardens. <laughs> I haven't been there since I was twelve, so <laughs> haven't I been can't in, brag too much. Haven't been in two and a half years, so I I make it out there uh maybe twice a year, uh when they invite out for a, a press event. But it's you know, it's a ninety minute drive from Orlando mm-hmm. and there are other roller coasters close to my house. Yeah, very understandable. Also, um, from this account, looks like they have interior concepts and uh, designs for uh, Cabana Bay. It appears like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are some earlier. Those look like some earlier test renderings, uh, not necessarily final uh, designs, but kind of uh, designers before they farm it out to third parties to give them an idea of the style that they're going for. I don't know that anything in there is exactly going to be what's going to be built, but it'll give you an idea of the feel that they're going for. Kind of like a theme book, kind of a concept design, where it's like, this is what we're aiming it, for. Exactly. Style yeah, mm-hmm. understandable. Yeah. Um, and then also we had the USF um, drawings. We had fantasy, a lot of Fantasyland ones, which are actually um, somewhat old. It's steady rate. Yeah, we've seen uh, some of the old ones. Uh, this is what popped up when this project originally leaked. It they're dated 2010. Um, another interesting one was the uh, the let me check real quick. The uh, uh, man, I'm blanking out right now. Uh, the Hogs, Hogwarts Express. Um, the connector. The connector for that, and also if you check a little bit, you can see some of what's down at Hogsmeade. But not very much. You see the ticket building outline, which I mean, yeah. is old news now. But um. 
So these are the things we're looking at. We have the ride layout, which uh, Lee gave us, um, I believe, a few months ago. Oh, it's uh, probably been a year now. Yeah. So it's just a really interesting um, account right now. So if you're not following it, um, definitely follow Amusement Leaks on Twitter, at Amusement Leaks. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there's nothing else I can really add to it, but I think this this uh, person is going to be dropping a lot of inf- interesting things over the next uh, weeks and months. Hopefully until longer. Until they get busted. <laughs> until someone gets laid off, yeah, of course. At least until they're caught and thrown into a... Yeah, <laughs> yeah hung, drawn, and quartered, basically. So... <laughs> yeah. I will say that all this stuff looks old enough that, uh, you know, it, it's not hot off of the blueprint machine. Um you know, I, I'd say that nothing in here is newer than a few months old. So it it could be coming from like a planning office or a government agency uh, that's gotten a hold of it. It most likely is not being leaked directly from someone inside Universal. Right. Okay, that would make sense more. Let me Especially know if some Kong gets leaked. <laughs> I don't think we're gonna see that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I don't think we've seen anything. Greater than uh, well under a uh, year old, right? So, yeah. um, moving on from this, uh, today uh, Disney Parks blog released a oh, teaser up, for Joe. the. Oops, sorry. I mean, are, are we done with Universal? Are we going to ask questions to Seth, or what's going to go on here? <laughs> do Do you want to ask questions? Oh. Seth, do you, does Seth do you, want to take questions? Do you really want to ask me questions? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, I've been dreaming of this moment for two years since you were on UUOP, so here we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, d- dream no more, really. I, 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 I can only disappoint you at this point. <laughs> um, well, I wasn't aware you were coming on tonight, so I really don't have anything prepared, but just well, going off of what we're talking about right now, um, so you go, obviously, to Universal pretty much on a day-to-day basis. How far along is Cabana Bay? Does it look like it's going to mm-hmm. open in, in two or three months? Um, it's funny. We were just driving past that two days ago with my wife in the car and she was like, where the heck did that come from? Uh, it's amazing how quickly the building has gone up. Now, uh, if you look at the North half, which is the half that I believe is supposed to open first, that's the half with the, the pool as opposed to the lazy river. Um, you can see lights fixtures inside the rooms. Um, you know, it's, it, it looks painted. It looks great. I'm sure there's still a lot of landscaping, a lot of work to go on that half, but it, it looks like it's really coming along. South half, not so much. Buildings are in good shape, but uh, the the recreation facilities, the Lazy River, has a long way to go. Um, but I I have no doubt that Universal will make their timeline. Uh, they've got people booked in. I know uh, Len Testa will be one of the people uh, staying at Cabana Bay uh, opening weekend when it soft opens um so they they will be they they will get that thing open one way or another on time um and they they built themselves enough cushion before the big harry proper crowds come in june that i I think they'll they'll keep themselves on track um any progress on the pedestrian bridge not that i've seen uh that's kind of curious uh i i drive through there every few days and um you know, a little bit of land clearing, but it's they they got to get some they got to get some movement going on that. Yeah. Um, I'll drive through there uh, and see if I can grab some more pictures in the next couple of days and send you guys see if any, there's any movement. But uh, 
yeah, that part might be a little bit behind. Okay. Um, any other questions, guys? Not right now. Wait, you, you've been saving up questions for two years, and that, that's it? That's it. That's really, that's <laughs> I, I haven't it. been saving up questions. Um, it'll, it'll come to me. Well, I, I'm happy to come back on and talk to you guys anytime. So uh, right. you, can, you can write them down in a little black notebook. <laughs> we'll make sure have, to do that. Have you noticed any type of movement? Have you noticed any type of movement in Jurassic Park, Seth, at all? Um, well, uh, you mean beyond the uh, the lovely carnival games, which yeah. the games themselves aren't bad, but those prizes, your oh, Lord, good Lord. those prizes. Um, yeah, beyond that. <laughs> um, there are uh, survey markers, little neon pink flags that you can see if you were to head behind Thunder Falls Terrace, and I would not recommend this, but if, if you were to happen to go back there and look in the, the woods, you would see some marked trees and you would see some little survey markers. Those have been there for at least a few weeks to a month or two, so I don't know how quickly that movement's happening. Um, and I've seen pictures from others of similar markers inside the Triceratops. Um, but... Uh, no heavy equipment yet, no cranes coming in yet, um, but I believe something's happening there. Hmm. And the other day you happened to see inside of the Garden of Allah, too, right? It was completely accidental, I swear right. to God. I would never trespass or do anything <laughs> to violate the terms of my annual pass holder agreement, in case Universal's listening. They do listen to this podcast, right? Totally. Uh, you, you pretend the, they don't. You check the IPs and the downloads, and you, you you can see where you know it's all coming from the executive building. Um, uh, what was I saying? <laughs> um, yes, Garden of Allah. So someone else happened to open the door, which has been unlocked for the last uh, few days, and my hand spasms and just happened to get some photos inside. And what I can tell you is that. Uh, a bunch of the old AT&T at the movie signage is still up there, uh, and a lot of the junk that was in there has been cleaned out. The last time I looked in there, it was full of boxes. And uh, most recently, there's a lot less boxes. So um, whether that's really going to turn into some sort of museum or interactive universal history exhibit, I think that would be awesome. Uh, right. But all I can say for sure right now is that someone's spending some man hours cleaning up the interior. Cool. Okay. And uh, um, City Walk, that's well underway now. Things have been closing. They've been yes. cutting stores. It, and... City, City Walk will be well into phase two of its refurbishment before Disney Springs even opens. <laughs> um, <laughs> mark my word. Put even uh, break ground. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've already got a temporary Universal Studio store mm-hmm. up uh, in like a, a hard-sided tent, and I'm sad to report that the uh, marquee of the the studio store has been torn down, and the the uh, Alfred Hitchcock sign, the Jaws sign, a uh, couple of uh, there was a King Kong on there. Some of the last remaining tributes to extinct attractions, I think, are probably in a dumpster now. Hopefully, no. someone smart salvaged them. Um, and uh, otherwise, at City Walk, you've got Antihitos. Uh, I hope I pronounced that wrong, and you don't get a lot of calls from your Mexican listeners. Um, but none so far. Racist. Uh, <laughs> ouch. Um, 
from what I hear, it did not make its uh, planned opening on New Year's Eve night, but uh, it does look ready to go any day uh, I've seen inside. It's really strange. I know the outside says authentic Mexican, but it's got neon and stainless steel and cages. Uh, so I'm not totally sure what's up with that. But if they have tableside guacamole, I'm in. Yeah, um, I you know, I, I kind of now that you mentioned that, I kind of wonder if they're going for like an ironic thing when they're going with um, they, authentic Mexican with the colors and they have the, the, the guy on the, the weather vane and the, yeah, the, well, the flag is uh, a a guy on a tricycle with a big sombrero. Um, mm-hmm. so, <laughs> I think if any authentic Mexicans do walk into the place, they might get some letters of complaint, but. Um, Hey, it, you know it can't it can't be worse than Latin Quarter. Uh, Latin Quarter was was a gorgeous interior that no one ever went into. So they they really can't do any worse in terms of attracting business. And they had there. just built that steak, the Brazilian steakhouse in there, that right? That churrascaria, yeah, I ate there once. Uh, it was actually compared to the other seventy million Brazilian steakhouses that Orlando has. It wasn't a bad deal. Um, it was if you really like overcooked steak. Uh, if you like your steak very well done, you'd, you'd be in hog hat. Um, but yeah, they you know they tried anything to make that space work, and it just didn't. So um, you know, sometimes you have to destroy the village to save the village. Um, and uh, and you'll never be able to like you know not have a way of describing to someone where the restaurant is. You just tell them to look for the pink and blue tide-dyed monstrosity, and they'll know exactly where to meet you. Yeah, it has no problem catching it at someone's eye. <laughs> no, no. It is it is definitely a weenie in any mm-hmm. sense you want to use of that word. Very true. Um, joining us real quick just to... to uh Break off, then we'll come back. Uh, joining us is uh, uh, our, one of our other guests tonight, uh, Derek Bergen from Touring Plans also. Uh, Derek, can you hear us? I can hear you. There we go, Derek. Hi, Derek. <laughs> I'm so hey, happy Seth. this is working right now because this did not work before. We're on Google Hangouts for the first time, so we're trying this out. Oh, I um, noticed. What what a Mickey Mouse operation. I'm waiting for the call, and they say, oh, wait, Derek, before you start on, you've got to download on, and install all this crap on your computer, and then you can join this call. Wonderful. Let's make it easy. Blame Joe. Easy. It's all Joe's fault. Blame Joe. Wait, wait, That's Derek. That's all right. He's Derek, been hanging around Ryan too much. <laughs> Derek, if you're here and I'm here, who's watching Twitter? Morgan. <laughs> Hey, hey, I, Morgan, I, I, okay. I, I, I say, I Len is always five. watching. Len, Len never sleeps. <laughs> Len, Len and David Davies, I don't think David Davies is human, so he may be on 24-7 with his programming update. <laughs> um, I got two things to follow up. One, on Halloween Horror Nights, maybe they could replace that tricycle Mexican guy with the jaw, the jigsaw puppet from Saw. <laughs> I think that would be a cool thing. And you just mentioned the, the studio store. I mean, I can picture the Curious George and the Woody Woodpecker things like it was yesterday, but I've been by that store a thousand times. I've never seen Alfred Hitchcock, Jaws, or King Kong. So, I mean, where were they hidden? I mean, I don't even uh, ever seen this. Okay, so the Curious George you're talking about is that circular thing in the window that they awkwardly added Harry Potter into. Yeah. I'm talking about the big two-story marquee above the entrance. Look up. No one ever seemed to look up, but there was this towering oh. marquee with all sorts of universal icons. And it was really nice in a kind of late 90s sort of way. Yeah. Um, but that's now residing in the 
back of someone's truck, I think. Wow. I got to say, I mean, I'm looking forward to this refurbishment because, I I mean, I go to that store probably nine out of every ten trips. I mean, I just like walking through and, and seeing really? what the new stuff may be for the for – Harry Potter or the Uni Minis, or that's where you can go to get some cool uh, Universal Studios Florida stuff because they get a large selection of shirts and hats there compared to anywhere else on property. So I'm really looking forward to this a redone store done right. Hmm. Yeah, um, it just seems like Seth dropped out. Uh, he's there. He is. He's back. Ooh. This is like 90% of the Universal Online community. So. It needs to be done right. Sean claims he's coming, too. He should be here in a few minutes, he said. Uh. Apparently he's watching Ric Flair on Raw tonight. Oh, it's old school Raw. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. So, Derek. Yeah. Speaking of phase two of um, City Walk, how do you feel about your beloved NASCAR grill maybe <laughs> being on the chopping block? I thought that was like a rib or something like that. I really did. I, where did that come from? And it's just like, I mean, I guess it kind of makes sense because I'm the only one on the one side of the fence. Uh, but the, it is, I mean, it's dead. It's not like it's dead. Seth just talked about it's hard to get people into Latin Quarter. And I know I go to Katie's Candy Company to get my issue of Attractions Magazine. And not anymore. See, yes. Exactly. Hard and hugging in the cigars. And I've never seen anybody in any of these places or the TCBY. Can, can so I, I just understand interject? why these are gone. I can't believe they lasted as long as they did. Their rent must have been outrageous. But the NASCAR grill, I mean, I just, I'm really surprised that they're not bringing in the revenue that says you know, you, there's no reason to kick us out. But who knows? Maybe this is an executive call saying we want a better brand. I was just going to interject uh, before that even though the Katie's Candy Company is closed, you can still get your issues of attractions, Orlando Attractions Magazine online. And I highly recommend you do because there's a fantastic cover story about The Simpsons that I wrote. Yes. Ah. All right, you can edit that out, too. No, we're not editing that out. We're keeping it. What are you kidding? We don't edit. Yeah. What's this editing thing? Uh, I just dropped out oh, for, like, I do have a question for you. Am I allowed to ask? Yes, you're allowed to ask or questions. Is this, the, is this the awkward half-hour silence part of the program? <laughs> ask a question. Ask away. <laughs> Uh, would you like to ask a question? Awesome. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, let's talk football playoffs. Or did I break the system? <laughs> we, we broke the world. Um, where'd you guys leave off without me, by the way? You left? Derek. Yeah, we I'm left here. off with Derek. <laughs> I'm here now. <laughs> The last episode of Park Scope, <laughs> season two. You're not helping. Mike, are you there? I'm here. You're here. <laughs> Seth is muted right now. I'm here. Okay, cool. You're here. Awesome. Uh, oh, yeah. Derek, you had a question for Seth? I guess not. Oh, yeah. Let's just can, assume not then. Can Derek not hear us or something? Oh, you guys can't hear me? No, we can hear you. You're just not responding to us. <laughs> There's a difference. Um, yeah, do you, have a, do you have a question for Seth? Or I'll be quiet. <laughs> You'll be quiet? I can't okay. hear anyone but Nick talking. Wow. Oh. I, had a, I had a question for Derek. 
But I don't know if Derek had a question for me. <laughs> Seth, Derek has a question for you. <laughs> no, God, no. <laughs> Stop. Rewind. My question for Derek was, is, is your love for NASCAR, uh, for the NASCAR uh, restaurant, sincere or is this ironic? I, I'm just curious. Because you would be the first person I've ever met with a true and deep love for it. So I would love to know why. What am I missing? Did Please. you hear that, Derek? I can only hear you talking. Okay. Oh. Like, this is insane. Seth wants to know why We're you like NASCAR so much. Is it ironic that you like it? Or are you just saying you like it, or do you really like it, and why? I do like it, and it, it has to be good because my hatred of NASCAR is up right about soccer in terms of sports I really despise <laughs> across the earth. So I go in there. It has really some great and competitively priced apps, and then it has a bunch of sports bar theming in terms of, like, Duffy's down here in Florida. Uh, it's a big major sports chain. I like going there because you get to see all the baseball, the hockey, the football games. It's a really good environment. It's not NASCAR on the TV, so I think that was a saving grace. And part of it might just be a bias that I've gone to downtown Disney several times and gone to ESPN Zone, which is kind of like their closest you know, competition in the area, and it's always this ridiculously long wait. I find the food there to be not that good, and the prices are outrageous. So it's kind of like, to me, a better version of the ESPN club at downtown Disney. All right. Well, I will give it another try before it closes. <laughs> Joe? Did we lose Joe? This is embarrassing. <laughs> Does, Google is, Hangout's a major success. Yeah. Say Google Hangout is like is, is the Obamacare of Skype applications. Apparently, <laughs> this is <laughs> this is going to be an interesting episode when it actually airs. From the people who brought you My Magic Plus. <laughs> So I had my first My Magic Plus experience yesterday. Ah. How'd that go? Not very well. <laughs> I uh, I tried to use my annual pass to get My Magic Plus at Animal Kingdom because they have gotten rid of Legacy Fast Pass at Animal Kingdom, and uh, they kind of squinted and grunted when I showed them my annual pass and tried to make it work. Um, I've never seen that many people in Camp Mini Mickey. Uh, <laughs> we actually lined up for the 6:30 p.m. show. Uh, a little before 5 p.m. And it's a good thing that we did because as soon as they opened the doors and let the standby people in, we saw that about 90% of the theater was completely full with uh, Fast Pass people. Um, or, I don't know, friends and family who had gotten let in early. But it was, uh, it was packed to the gills and the most vocal crowd I've ever seen in a, a Disney show. They, they literally screamed practically through their underwear every time a, a new actor came out. Um, they went wild. I mean, those 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 floats, which starred life as Disneyland parade floats, are probably older than most of the people in the audience. And uh, you, you should should have seen people lose their minds for that show. It was, you know, I, I, I will say that uh, that show has always had great energy. Uh, that cast always gives 100%, and they gave uh, 2,000% for that last show. Um, uh, if you go online uh, look at the Touring Plans YouTube account and you'll find a full video of that final show 
Awesome. Um, I'm back now, so yay. And I Derek, Derek just left. And Derek <laughs> just, just left. It's like musical chairs. <laughs> this is this is. I amazing. suggested that Derek hang up and try to come back since he could only hear me. So. Ah, okay, that's fine. Yeah, um, he was. He was sending messages like, "I can literally only see and hear you. I can't do anything." <laughs> is Mike still on? Yeah. Okay, cool. Just want to make I've, sure. I've uh, I've never understood the hype for this show for Festival of the Lion King. I've always found it strange that it's so beloved. You know, I kind of, I kind of liked the old Legend of the Lion King puppet show better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the mm-hmm. used to be in Fantasyland. Um, I think what's great about the Festival of the Lion King show is that it takes a kind of a, a more friendly version of the aesthetic that Julie Taymor did in the Broadway version, which was very successful, and mixes it with some Cirque du Soleil kind of acrobatic acts. Uh, in a really visual, visually appealing way, uh, and they get the kids uh, in and participating. It's it's the energy of the show, and it's it's still great music. I mean, whatever you think think of Elton John, um, it's it's still really great music that they repeat over and right. over and <laughs> over and over. It, it's just fascinating to me that the highest grossing animated film of Disney so far, you know, it gets this, you know, and yeah. it gets the Circle of Life film. It, you know, it's just strange some of the decisions they make sometimes. I don't know, it's odd. I don't feel like they know what to do with it, in all honesty. Well, at least it's finally getting to Africa, <laughs> you know. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it's finally going to be in the appropriate place. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any other questions for Seth? Sorry I dropped out, so I'm not sure exactly where we're at right now. Talk it's just, it's Seth's question hour, part 17. <laughs> can Derek hear us now? Now I can hear you. Yeah. Finally. Okay, so now I'm kind of inferring that I was probably talking over everyone since I couldn't hear a single one of you and looking like a fucking buffoon part of my language. <laughs> looking like what an awesome. idiot. <laughs> it's okay, Derek. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry. Derek has a rare form of Asperger's where he doesn't shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I guess um I guess piggybacking off of the Festival of Lion King, Beetlejuice also had its final performance, and Seth, you were there for that too. I w- I keep showing up for these things. Um, <laughs> Beetlejuice was a little emotional for me because uh, I know a lot of the, the people in that cast, and the Lion King show they're rebuilding the stage, but I think most of that cast is probably going to move, and the show will be essentially what it was, maybe with some tweaking. Beetlejuice, uh, the uh, out of the cast that's currently working there, or was currently working there, only two people were brought back and given new contracts. Um, so whole new team of performers, completely new script, uh, new songs. It's going to be basically a whole new show um, with, with some ties to the original. So um, this version of Beetlejuice actually only dates to 2006. Uh, there was a version before that that did not involve hip and hop. Uh, and had considerably better music. And there was a version even before that that had the Phantom of the Opera in it, which no one but me remembers. Um, (laughs) But, so, uh, this version of Beetlejuice uh, was not the greatest show, but uh, it was around for a long time, and like I said, uh, I was close with some people in the cast. Um, 
James Keaton, who uh, was Beetlejuice for the final performance, had been there for 18 years as Beetlejuice, uh, and his contract was not renewed. And he was really, uh, you know, when I worked at Universal as an entertainment supervisor and would take uh, characters on the road to do PR events, uh, you know, he would be always the first Beetlejuice we'd pick just because he was so talented. Um, and there's some other folks, Charles Gray, uh, who was Frankenstein, who have been there for years and years, and uh, you're not going to get to see them on stage there anymore. So, uh, again, if you go to touringplans.com, uh, you can find uh, on our YouTube account that film of the last show. And, again, a uh, packed house and really not quite as psychotic as the Disney fans, but a very vocal and appreciative <laughs> audience. Best moment for me of that show was uh, Beetlejuice coming down off stage uh, during the finale, grabbing a tourist's camera out of them, their hand and uh, running up on stage to take uh, shots on stage. <laughs> Did give the camera back to him at the end. That's awesome. Seth, recently Universal raised probably about 70% of all the prices of their counter service or their bars outside. Is this something that happens every year around Christmas time or they just took their opportunity when it arose during the high crowds, or I, I just don't remember being at the parks when literally everything from a churro to soda to tacos at Cafe La Bamba, everything went up all almost within a two week period. And there wasn't like nobody was there, there was no outcry. I don't think anybody even noticed, but there was a gigantic price increase across the board at Universal within the last you, three weeks. You're absolutely right. I think it's the biggest stealth increase that they've done uh, maybe ever. The biggest part of it that hardly anyone noticed is that they started charging tax on alcoholic beverages. All alcoholic beverages throughout the resort used to be priced tax included. You know, six fifty for that beer, tax included. Well, now the price went up by a quarter in some cases. A lot of things went up by twenty-five cents or fifty cents, but now that price that's on the sign is before tax. Uh, so that's an instant six and a half percent increase on anything alcoholic at the resort. Um, that that hurts some of us more than others, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you know it's funny that you mention it because normally uh, my uh, Universal Studios, uh, my Universal Orlando guidebook, uh, Universal Orlando uh, 2014: The Ultimate Guide to the Ultimate Theme Park Adventure, available from Trepid Traveler. Thank you. <laughs> I was waiting for that bell. Awesome. Um, so uh, normally I would do those updates uh, in August of each year. And no matter how late I pushed my deadline, the day after I finished, they would always raise the prices. So typically those price increases would come at the end of the summer season. Uh, and uh, so to see them coming right before the Christmas season, uh, I was definitely surprised. I remember, you know, I, I would email Derek, did you see this menu? You know, two days ago I walked past this and it changed. Uh, the, the biggest uh, example of it is the dining plan, which I think you guys might have talked about mm -hmm. uh, previously. You know, uh, raising it by a buck, no one's going to notice. But taking out one of the snack allowances, um, yeah, that really, that, that, they're going to make some more money off of that now. The, the first time I noticed Universal's penchant for changing prices was actually last summer when Springfield USA uh, opened, and, and everyone was going to Bumblebee Taco Man truck, and they're, they're putting the reviews, and they're putting the prices, and I went uh, the next weekend, and the prices had already gone up a dollar on several of the items, and it was just 
I found it almost incomprehensible that prices can be this uh, in flux, like a you know Exxon gas station. But it just seems universal. <laughs> just throws them out there, and they don't care. And I want to I want to recommend your book to everyone. I bought uh, last year's edition, and I actually had this year's edition sent to uh, someone. It's going to show up at their door tomorrow. So I definitely recommend uh, your book, Seth. With who's your uh, code writer on there? Uh, Kelly Monahan. And, uh, yeah, it's Intrepid Traveler. And thank you. Everyone should buy six copies and send it to all their family and friends. <laughs> and if you're ever visiting Disneyland, please buy the unofficial guide to Disneyland. Yes, thank I you. Can, I recommend that, too. I, yeah. I have a copy of that for when I went in December. Um, anyone else have any questions for Seth? Have you that's, used the dining That's got to be the title of this. Uh, yes. I have not personally. That's going to be the title of this episode. Has anyone got any questions? No, the title is Derek Insane. <laughs> <laughs> Even better. Um, I have not personally used the dining plan simply because with an annual pass discount, uh, right. it is always cheaper to just pay a la carte and use the annual pass discount. The only thing that I was tempted to use it for was the uh, – package dinner where you get uh, the dessert viewing of um, of Cinespec, uh, Cine- Cinema Spectacular. Mm-hmm. But you can actually just buy that as a $15 add-on, which I have done, uh, right. which is kind of fun. You go over to the Duff uh, Brewery and you get a private table and they bring you a drink and a cupcake. Um, that's actually not a bad deal. Was it an alcoholic drink? Unfortunately not, but you can get a banana squishy. Oh, nice. This banana no, no, kind of sounds weird. Alcohol plus cupcake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, those two things go great together. <laughs> Who'd have thought? I don't know if you guys covered this, but you were at the parks a lot over the last two weeks, and I even saw your Orlando Weekly uh, recap of pictures of just the insanity. Uh, I mean, how do you how do you deal with those crowds on a daily basis for so long and not want to kill someone? It just it <laughs> to me it seemed like a miserable situation to be in and, I, and you were there every day hitting that pavement yeah i you know if you're there for the purposes of dragging your kids around and having a good time and getting on rides just shoot yourself in the head there's really you know if, if you're not there staying on site with an express pass and getting in early and then leaving the park by noon uh there's really there's just no hope um, I, I go almost more uh, as a sociological experiment or as an anthropologist. Um, I love people watching. Um, crowds don't really bother me because, I, I don't know, they just – people seem to avoid me naturally. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm not – you know, I'm not waiting two hours in line to ride Transformers. Um, I'm, I'm walking around the park. I'm taking pictures and maybe getting something to eat. Um, uh, if I was there trying to do an eight-hour day of riding rides and having fun, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably jump off of a, a monorail track by the end of the day. What, what's the strangest thing you see in these times where it's so busy? I mean, you put a picture up of a line for the air dryers at the Popeye Boil Drive <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> I mean, I couldn't believe I was seeing what my eyes it was like the rarest of rare birds. Yeah, the, what, what I really didn't expect, like – I always tell people, no matter how busy the park is, just do Men in Black single rider. I can't, I can't remember how many times I've, you know, there's been a 45 minute or hour posted wait for Men in Black, and I've just walked on to single rider. Single rider line was out the door, and they had set up a switchback for the single rider line at Men in Black. That that seemed like a sign of the apocalypse to me. (laughs) Wimp. Wimpy's was actually open. Um, I believe Green Eggs and Ham was also open briefly, but uh, I didn't eat there. 
Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's well, and my white whale, uh, which I went into and took pictures of the menu, but did not take the time to eat, and I wish I had. Uh, La Bamba Cafe, that <laughs> is the one where you know if you you cite La Bamba Cafe open, uh, you should go and play the lottery because <laughs> you were a lucky man. Um, I, I yeah, know I they count on one hand how many days that's been open in the last year. I'm sorry. Sorry about that. They, I know they had La Bamba open for some reason for a long time last year because some – oh, it was the International – until Springfield yeah. opened. Yeah, okay. when they were doing construction, they, they were using it as a, a temporary. But uh, it, if, it, if it ever is open when you're there, the ribs are pretty darn good. Um, you know, I think it's a close call between whether they or Thunder Falls have the better ribs. The the thing about Wimpy was so shocking to me because the only time I've ever seen anything down there used was when the Wizarding World of Harry Potter opened and they had that switchback that went all the way from Seuss Landing down all the way through Marvel yes. Island. And yeah, that they took epic you through. Queue. That's the only time I ever been around there was when I I went through that switchback waiting in line to get into the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. <laughs> well, uh, I'll just note that they replaced the menu board at Wimpy's with a, a digital board. Um, so maybe they plan on having it open more often. Well, do you think that's an across-the-board change? Because I remember about a month ago I saw it at Confisco's Grill out front. I'm like, wait a yep. second, what's this? And I, now it's I, in everywhere. I believe they're going across the entire park doing that uh, exactly so that they can raise prices a lot easier. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, it might get to the point where it's like airline tickets, you know, uh, yeah. depending on how busy it is or how what the demand is for hot dogs, you might pay an extra 50 cents and you probably will never notice it uh, or 99% of the guests would never, never notice it. But if the, you know, all the menu boards are digital, it just takes a flip of a switch to add something to the dining plan or change the price of something. Theme park food stock market. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Uh, anyone else have any more questions for Seth? Yes. Um, yes, Mike. I, I don't know if this – I haven't read the book yet, but do you have a particularly favorite spot to watch Cinemax Spectacular? Um, yeah, you know, I kind of – the two spots that I like the best are um, Battery Park, where everyone tends to congregate. But you really do get a nice kind of epic look down the whole uh, lagoon um, and a perfect centered uh, view of – of that uh, end screen. Um, or for the surround sound experience, I like going into Central Park down by the rocks. Um, there's that sort of bend in the waterfront, not quite where the splash zone is, um, but you can sort of see two screens on either side of you, and you get a nice view of the fountains kind of 180 degrees around you. I think those That's are the exactly two best where spots. I stood. That's, That's the first spot. time where I stood where I saw it, too, yeah. right on the rocks. Well, yeah. I will warn that... Um, it, they should be really good spots along the railing near Lombards and Richters, but uh, because of the way the p- fountains were positioned, if it's at all breezy, people there tend to get soaked, including the people with the dessert packages. So uh, check the wind before you grab a spot on that side. So, Seth, you recommended the, the Simpsons little package with the donut and the drink. Do you recommend the Lombards dining package for Sunday uh, Spectacular? Uh, I, like I say, if you have an annual pass, the discount, uh, you're not saving any money with the, the dining package. Um, and the I haven't eaten at the dessert, but I've taken pictures of them. Um, and they're, they're nice little bites of chocolate or whatever. It's nothing that's going to change your life. Um, 
So, of the two, uh, if you were going to eat at Lombard's anyway, and you weren't planning on ordering any of the expensive items on the menu, because, like, the lobster is excluded, uh, do the math before you book the package. Um, You're probably not going to save any money with it. I've watched the show in three places. I guess in one of the park areas the first time I saw it, which was pretty good. And then last trip I watched it from Duff Gardens, and you don't get a lot of the laser effects and some other things are lacking. And I also watched it from London along that new walkway, and there's nothing over there. Um, yeah, I think they're going to, when uh, when that end of the park livens up, they're going to have to reposition some screens or effects or something to make it more attractive to watch from that end. Yeah, um, there's no sound over there, there's no lasers, and I don't even think the projector's turned on on that side. I don't, I don't know. Oh, well, that's definitely not good. Uh, no. Yeah, I mean, I've, I've walked all around the lagoon during the show, and... Uh, it's you know it's not as as bad as something like illuminations where depending on where you're standing there's a giant tree in between you and the globe. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's maybe not as many great spots but there's not as many terrible spots. Um, the main thing is I think people should keep in mind is that the pyro is launched from the behind the Simpsons building and behind disaster. So if you've got your back to one of those buildings, you're only going to see half of the pyrotechnics. It's better right. to be at one end or the other where you can see both of those. When was the last time that you watched the show? Because I remember when I was there this summer and Despicable Me 2 was about to come out, they had the commercial for Despicable Me 2 at the front of the spectacular, but then they also at some point had switched out many of the scenes. Like they took out almost all the battleship references and they threw in things like Snow White and they threw in uh, Fast yeah. and Furious 6. There's Fast and Furious, there's uh, Les Miserables. That was all part of the last uh, edit that they did on it. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I expect that they'll probably every year do a little tweak to it. I also think that next year is the 25th anniversary of Universal Studios, so you're probably going to see changes to a lot of things like the parade uh, like the the nighttime show um, to tie into that 25th anniversary. Uh, I haven't seen any changes since they added those clips, but I haven't seen it since before the holiday season. Because um, honestly, I with, when the park's packed, I don't want to be there at closing right. time. I'll never get back to my car. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, more about Cinespec. Uh, you and Derek work for Touring Plans, and you know you you go there with a different point of view looking for how certain things work and don't work. Do you feel like Cinemax Spectacular does its job, what they intended for it to do? Does it keep people there later? Is this a success from that standpoint? Uh, I've been talking a lot. Derek, you want to go? I want to know why they don't put out a lot of more drink carts or what um, when Disney, when it starts to go nighttime, they start putting those people out there with the flashy lights and the wristbands, you know, things that draw kids in like, you know, lights to you know, flies to lights I'm really surprised Universal doesn't take more advantage of having this captive audience because I think it's there, and instead they have like this this uh, package for the Simpsons area that for, I've seen it's mostly empty. I think people have much more tendency if they want to get a, a, a quick popcorn or chips or peanuts, whatever. When I was in Fantasmic, you know, they have people going up and down with sodas and beers, and I'm really surprised Universal doesn't take that opportunity to get that audience because every time I've been there, a large amount of people are staying to watch the show. Yeah, I I agree. I think that the show has succeeded in keeping people in the park longer 
I don't know if it's necessarily succeed in getting them to spend more money while they're staying in the park because I don't know that they've maximized their revenue opportunities tied to the show. Um, there's still some issues. I, I still find it frustrating that uh, Fast Food Boulevard always closes yeah. like an hour mm-hmm. before the rest of the park does. So, you know, I would hang out in that area if I could get a, a chicken and waffle sandwich to munch on before the show. Yeah. Um, you know, I yeah, I think that, that not all of the operational puzzle pieces are on board supporting what entertainment is doing uh, to keep people in the park with that show. Um, I think it's a good start, but I still don't think it's ever going to be like Illuminations or Wishes is, you know, or Phantasmic, something that people build their day around and, and are not going to leave the park until it's done. Uh, well, if you, they you've ever... seen them all, and you've been to one California. Where does this yeah. rate compared to all oh, of it, Disney's you know, Nighttime it's, Spectaculars? It's not, okay, it's not World of Color. Anyone who, who ever thought that Cinespec was going to be World of Color was was dreaming. World of Color is mind-blowing. I, I love World of Color. I also love Phantasmic out in Disneyland. Um, I don't think that it compares to either of those. I I actually enjoy it more than the Phantasmic we hear, have here at Hollywood Studios, but that's because it's such a pale shadow of what they have in Disneyland that I'm always disappointed every time I see it. Um, and uh, the current version of Illuminations doesn't really do it for me personally. I think it's spectacular, but I think it's poorly paced. I think the middle sags to the point where I'm just bored to tears. Um, I, I like Cinespec. It's grown on me. It's, it's well-paced. It doesn't have the emotional connection of uh, a Disney uh, of a wishes, you know, because uh, you don't have that kind of uh, history tied to it the way you you do with Disney films versus Universal films. At least most people don't. Um, but I I I still make a point to see it, you know, four or five times a year. Yeah, I was um I just went to Disneyland uh, in December, and I can say that I I, I agree. I like uh, Illuminations a little more than you do. Um, I find that's one probably my favorite uh, show at Disney World at night. But yeah, Cinespec doesn't compare to you know World of Color or Fantasmic out there. But it is a very good show on its own right, and stands I believe you know as its own and on and on its own quite a bit. I like it a lot. Now the the nighttime show that I want to see again was the it was only performed once for the media the night before Wizarding World of Harry Potter opened to the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was, uh, I think Thinkwell did it. It was a projection mapping uh, with giant projections on the Hogwarts castle and the uh, and the mountain. And with uh, John Williams conducting the London Symphony Orchestra <laughs> and fireworks going off. And Didn't they people could do... have wands that lit up that night yes, too? Yes, yes. <laughs> and the funny thing was that the wands lit up and they did not go off and drove my cat crazy. <laughs> because for like two weeks, the thing would just randomly flash in the middle of the night. <laughs> That's yeah, fantastic. If, if they could find a way to bring that thing. show back, they would have people lined up. Yeah, that that show looked awesome. Just from did. the pictures. Yeah. Nick, am I the only one who li- really likes the Fantasmic show out here at Disney Halloween yes. Adventure? I yes. love it. <laughs> well, you guys are crazy. My wife likes Pocahontas is horrible. Pocahontas. <laughs> and the, that dinky little river ship. I, I mean, love once, the dinky once, little river. Oh, you mean, you you mean know, once, the cardboard box floating in the river? <laughs> uh, once you've seen it with the, the, the Captain Hook and Peter Pan scene on the Columbia, you, just, you can't go back. I would like to see the Fantasmic in Tokyo. The 
the video I've seen of that is really that's, impressive. That's weird. I wouldn't even call it phantasmic. I think that's the biggest issue. They should call it something else. Yeah, well, it's 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 something. It's it's Japanese. What are you gonna do? <laughs> it's Japanese. That's probably the best description I've ever heard of it. It's Japanese. <laughs> Same with um the show in Disneyland Paris. You know, it's it's you know French. You know <laughs> that that show looks really pretty though. Um, I would I would love if they could do something like that uh, here. That was uh, I believe happen. that was their plan for a little while was actually do a similar show oh yeah. Cinderella's Castle but that never got through uh, the green lighting process. So yeah I I mean definitely one of the coolest parts of that show is the uh, when the castle turns into the giant waterfall I always thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. They do a really nice job for the holidays uh, projection mapping on It's a Small World facade at Disneyland. Um, that's a really fun show, too. Uh, yeah, I, that was that was the only thing about that whole Magic Memories and You campaign that I liked was the projection mapping yeah. shows. Mm-hmm. Did, did you like that they put the Pixar and the Disney characters in Mary Blair style inside It's a Small World? Uh, Would you I'm, want to see I'm it not, here? I should say. I, I don't know that it needs to be here. I don't necessarily need think you have need to add everything so every attraction and every park is exactly the same. Um, I don't. I think they did the best job that they possibly could with it. It doesn't offend me because they really did a nice job of trying to make it fit into the Mary Blair style, with the expe- exception of the America scene at the end, which is just ugly. Yes. It's just garish and, and bad. But all the other ones, you know what? It's actually kind of fun. And if you've been on It's a Small World as many times as I have, it's kind of nice oh. to have something else to look at for a change. I will say I, that holiday version blew me away. It was my first time seeing the holiday version uh, when I was there last month, and that's a lot of fun. Yes, I saw the holiday version for the first time, too, and now it's really, really good. Um, it's also the first time, first time I think I've seen it since they added the uh, characters. And I think my issue is that if the characters are from the culture and, you know, it's, you know, Peter Pan, you know, developed in England or, you know, various things like that, it works. Cinderella, Pinocchio in Italy. Exactly. It makes sense. But once you start getting, you know, the Pixar characters or the addition, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Do we, how can there be an underwater segment? It makes no sense. Don't, don't do that. Or once you get, you know, to Woody and Jesse and uh, Bullseye and those characters, it just doesn't add up because it seems more... It doesn't seem like celebrating the culture. It seems like Disney, for Disney's sake. So that's my issue with it. But, I mean, I like the adding, you know, Peter Pan and those characters, just not the Disney Disney characters. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I don't think it was an atrocity like some people do. Um, It it doesn't stop me from going on the ride. Um, It could have been worse. It could have been worse. I'm, I'm, I'm sure they'll find some way to make it worse. Have you? Um, was this the first time you've also seen Haunted Mansion Holiday? No, I've I've okay. I've gone out for a few years for uh, Halloween, but this was my first time going out for Christmas. Yeah, Haunted Mansion Holiday just gets better every time you do it. Um, they really do a great job of plussing it a little bit more each year. I really liked the uh, ceiling projections and the stretching room this year. Yeah, that was definitely interesting. I was uh, I'm kind of interested in how they did that. I think that may have probably been. Uh, Back projection or something like that. Yeah, it's it's got to be a rear projection. They must uh, hang a hang a projector from where the hanging body usually is. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. I think the uh, is the gingerbread scent new this year. I believe. I think they changed that every year. This year was kind of like an advent thing where they opened up a different yeah. door every day. 
So, yeah, so it, it gave you a reason to go to the ride every single yeah. day. <laughs> I thought that was really cool too. Yeah, they. I mean, I uh, when when I was at uh, Disneyland this last time, I took the um, cultivating the magic tour, uh, which does a great job, uh, especially in the New Orleans area, of showing you the kind of attention to detail. Um, that goes into the horticulture of that area. And uh, with all the extra stuff, like the pumpkin patch that they put out there uh, during the holiday season, it's really, that's just one of the most beautiful spots in any theme park anywhere. Oh, yeah, hands down. I love New Orleans Square. Anybody else have any questions? Seth, did you ever see the nighttime show at Oz Adventure when it ran? Um, I, not only did I see it, I actually, on New Year's Eve of, I guess, uh, December 31st, 1999, becoming, we called it the millennium, even though, according to Isaac Asimov, it wasn't, um, I operated the giant Merlin puppet that was just this, uh, thing on, on a, a forklift, like a genie lift, a cherry picker, um, for the fireworks show, um. So my memories of that show are kind of uh, hazy since I had most of that surgically removed. Um, <laughs> I don't think it was really that impressive by today's standards, but I wish there was something in that lagoon again uh, to keep people there to the end of the night. Do you think there uh, are there are going to add something? Have you heard anything? Or I I, I hear rumors and rumblings constantly for years, and none of them ever go anywhere. So uh, I'll let you know if I hear anything substantial. Yeah, I think it's the same stuff we hear. Like, they test for stuff. They put in... Yep. Buoy, every, uh, every few years, you'll see a new flag, or you'll see someone swimming out there, or you'll see them... Uh, oh, my God. Uh, the uh, That motorboat show that they tried for a little while. Mm-hmm. Or is that the show you were referring to? I was talking about the fire, nighttime fireworks show that was very, very short-lived in the early... 2000, but uh, there was also that motorboat mm-hmm. daytime show that uh, they tried briefly uh, during the summer a few years ago, and um, yeah, I don't think they ever got any traction with that. I, I I would go and I would see like six people standing watching it. You think the biggest uh, barricade for that is the fact that the, trying to get the licenses for anything? I mean, other than Jurassic Park, who's really going to sign off on letting them use? Islands for that well, trip. yeah, and and especially anything that involves J.K. Rowling, um, she's not going to play second fiddle to uh, Marvel superheroes, you know. So uh, yeah, I don't I don't know how you would make that work if you could actually do a show license wise based on the islands, or if you would have to have a completely original show that doesn't reference. And does that even make any sense? So yeah, um, I'm sure those are things that they've been struggling for with for years. Otherwise, right. they'd have a show up by now. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I haven't heard anything concrete. I, I would I would hope something goes into the Pandemonium Toon Circus Stadium first. <laughs> that, right. that thing's been sitting there rotting yeah. for 10 years, practically. Yeah. Well, could part of that be used for a Cabana Bay entrance into Atlas Adventure? Just get rid of it and just make a whole new uh, way to get in. Um, I think if they were going to do a Cabana Bay entrance, the closer entrance would be the one between Toon Lagoon and Jurassic Park. 
In fact, you know that yellow gate that's uh, yeah. there's that little kid splash area. If you look over that yellow gate, there's some people in Cabana Bay who have a really nice views straight into the park because you can look right into their room. <laughs> uh, so uh, I think if there was a walk, if there was a, a back entrance, it would probably be more likely to go there. But everything I've heard is that all those early plans for an alternate entrance were scuttled. Now, if another hotel does end up going in between Cabana Bay and Royal Pacific, which uh, I know Hate to Fly has been um, suggesting that there's a fifth hotel that's going to be a high-end hotel that's going to come online, um, that might be a good place to put it uh, with an alternate entrance. But I don't know if that would work for Cabana Bay. And would that space be even there after they put Kong? Would that? I'm not quite sure where that would go. But oh, from what from the plans I've seen for Kong, because that's a, a necessary service entrance uh, ah. that does not impact the entrance to Kong will be in that vicinity, but it will not impact that yellow gate. Okay. Yeah, that night that we were at um. Islands and Dudley cut on fire. They had that gate wide open with all the fire trucks and stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, right through there. Uh, did you do that? Did you? Yeah, do that? Me. it was me and Sean and um, Epcot Explorer. It's, it's, and it's not like the Tiki Room. It's not like if you burn it down, they'll build it back the way you wanted it in the first place. No, they just fixed it. <laughs> Fix set. Seth is a long time Universal fan. Have you? Are you the most excited now for Universal, or do you miss the days of, of past with Ghostbusters and Alfred Hitchcock? Or what's what's your uh, era of Universal that you're most excited about? Don't get me started on Ghostbusters because that was the first <laughs> show that I worked at when I uh, first moved down here. I was actually the closing uh, closing crew member on Ghostbusters. Um, uh-huh. I I think it's it's interesting. I think uh, Universal has had so many ups and downs that uh, you know the first couple years of Universal were really dark. And then they hit this really, you know, from from about 95 up through the opening of Islands of Adventure. They were really on a roll. You know, I, I, I think, like, once you had Terminator open in the, in the studios, uh, it was that 96, 97, uh, Twister, uh, then you had Men in Black, then you, Islands of Adventure. You know, right up to the millennium, they were really, that, that was a great time because it was so exciting seeing it go, you know, the parking lot that you used to put put park your car in now is a theme park. Um, that was a really exciting time to be around. Um, and then there was kind of a dark era for a lot of the 2000s <laughs> until Harry Potter came along. And uh, I say it's going to be really hard to top the excitement of that uh, that opening month of Harry Potter. Um, you know, hanging out outside the gates every single day in late May and early June, waiting for them to let us in. Um, but I think Diagon Alley is going to give it a run for its money. Uh, everything that I've seen so far makes me really, really optimistic about what's going on behind those walls. Were any of you guys on Orlando United forums like the months before Harry Potter? I mean, checking back to see the latest updates and pictures. I mean, I know I was. I was just I could not get enough mm-hmm. of the Wizarding World leading up to that uh, summer of 2010. Yep, it was quite exciting. It's yeah. Awesome. I wasn't registered, but I was looking. I was watching. <laughs> I was watching everything. <laughs> and it lived up to the hype. Has anything else 
had that much hype going into. I mean, Avatar is going to have that much hype if it ever does get built. Uh, Will anything you know, deliver on the goods the way the Wizard um, did? I, Rip <laughs> I don't know if that's. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I I can't think of anything in the industry that's going to, other than uh, Disneyland Shanghai, which I would really like to uh, check out when that opens in 2015. Um, I don't think there's anything in the industry that's on that level. Um, I'm excited to see what they do with Harry Potter out in Hollywood because um, I'm hearing there's going to be some little changes and additions. But uh, I, I really think this opening of Diagon Alley is going to be kind of a peak for at least for Orlando until almost the end of the decade. Um, you know, I think Avatar is going to be great unless they open it in phases like they did with New Fantasyland and then by the time it's finally all open, you're like, oh, right, that was it. Um, so unless someone's got another gate that they're going to open, uh, I, I think, I think this is going to be a high point for, for at least a few years. But, but I will say by the same token, Universal is not stopping to spend, spending money. You know, this is, they're, they're pouring a half billion dollars into their parks every single year for the foreseeable future. So there's a lot of great stuff still coming down the pipe. Very exciting. Yep. Very. Yeah. I, I think Harry Potter was that kind of the perfect meeting point of a new franchise. I think the only thing prior to that that was just as big as that was uh, when Star Tours <laughs> came out, probably, in Disneyland, when they did the 24-hour yeah. party and everything like that. Oh, yeah, in, in 87. And also when uh, Indiana Jones Adventure opened in, in 95. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, in terms of crossover appeal, not just people who are into theme parks, but just people who are into entertainment in general being interested in, in a theme park. Yeah, I, I think that's the closest thing you can compare it to. And I think if if Disney gets off their butt and builds a Star Wars land in Hollywood Studios that's worthy of the name, then then they can recapture that kind of uh, attention that Universal's getting now. But it's going to take something on that scale, not just an attraction or two, but but a whole land. Not just some blue milk and a spinner. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I would like to try some blue milk. Yeah, there you go. Um, you guys have any other uh, last questions for Seth? Last call. Last call. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> yes, I guess that's our closing song now. Quite literally. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Um, have you guys uh, talked about uh, Snow White yet? No. Okay, we've been jumping around our show notes a little bit. Um, today, uh, Imagineering in the Disney Parks blog released a small teaser of doing the designing for the trains for the uh, Snow White mine train. But um, probably the most interesting part of it was that they actually had some GoPro footage from a late-night run of a full ride-through of the attraction, including some completed inter- interior effects and also, we got a nice close-up with those uh, trains that looked really uncomfortable. Am I the only one who thinks that? No, they did. They looked very uncomfortable. Yeah, it just it looks like a big Thunder Mountain kind of bench, but without any padding to it. Maybe it's uh, magically soft wood. <laughs> well, what what is our three most uncomfortable rides? What's what are we? Going here, uh, Ripsaw Falls. Is that counting in the list? That's or? number one. <laughs> but before the uh, lap belts or, or after them? The, the, it's it's the the seat isn't bad. It's that lap bar. Yes, that lap. Yeah. Ugh. What about Space Mountain? 
I think that's comfortable, oh. but I'm like five nine, so. Matterhorn. Matterhorn's pretty bad. <laughs> Matterhorn uh, pre was worse, but currently it's not great either. So. I'm trying to think. Uh, Astro Orbiter is pretty uncomfortable for me. Hmm. I'd say that, Primeval World, but I think that's more the logistics of the ride tossing you back and forth. Yeah. If, if, if we're going outside of Orlando, then the single most uncomfortable ride in the world is uh, uh, Sky Rush at Hershey Park. It, really? It, it's, it staples you across the thigh. It doesn't put any... <laughs> it doesn't restrain you by the hips... You know, or by the shoulders, it's just the middle of your thigh. Ouch. Yeah. Because I, I haven't been there since they, uh, last ride uh, when I was there when they opened was the, uh, God, what's the, what's their accelerator one there? Uh, Storm Runner. Yeah, Storm Runner. You know, that was the last that, one I. That one will peel the skin off your face. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great ride. Well, I, I, I'm in, I'm in uh, Cleveland, so we have a top little dragster, so I know oh, yeah. about that ride system. Oh, yeah. Probably, uh, I haven't been on it yet, but I definitely know uh, Manhattan Express is pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> New York, New York, Las Vegas. Exactly. Uh, I've been to Las Vegas, but I refuse to pay like 15 bucks to ride yeah. that thing. Um, yeah. And single-handedly, probably the most uncomfortable thing I've ever rid- ridden was uh, King's Dominion, the uh, Shockwave. It's their uh, their Togo stand-up coaster. Stand-up. Used to be in Six Flags, New Jersey when I was growing up. It was, oh, uh, man. Oh. Death uh, Trap. Definitely. Ninja <laughs> bicycle seat right in the crotch. Yeah. <laughs> Ninja at uh, Six Flags over Georgia is pretty pretty bad too. Is that the one that they got from um, Astro World? Yeah, this over cool, the leg. Yeah. Yeah, that's. Terrible. Wait, that's over the leg. Yeah. Really? Because because they have a similar one at uh, Kings Dominion, no Kings Island and uh, Cedar Point, but that's over the shoulder. No, I mean, it's over the lake, not over the leg. Oh, over the leg. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I see what you're saying now. It's just the shoulder much... restraint and beats you to death. Oh, God, that's horrible. Yeah. So there you go. Things you should never ride because they're highly <laughs> uncomfortable. So the mine train. Yes, back to the back mine to train. Back to the mine train. <laughs> you know... This thing, um, I'm sure it's going to be great for what it is. and It's just a shame that they put it in the position where it's supposed to be this, this capstone thing, this, this the savior of the expansion and hype, hype, hype. You know, It's just not fair to what it is. Um, but it looks like a nice little ride. I think it's going to suffer from the Little Mermaid syndrome where they keep hyping it as this amazing e-ticket, you know, a successor to the Haunted Mansion, and then everyone gets on it and goes... That that was it. Okay, that's weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's anything that Seven Mountain uh, Seven Mountains Seven Dwarves Mine Train can do to live up to the hype at this point. I mean, even if there's an animatronic Snow White who gets off of her pedestal and like jumps onto your ride vehicle and kisses <laughs> you, I really don't think that's. I mean, what are they? What can they do? I mean, the ride's probably not going to be incredibly long from what we've seen of the, the coaster track. Um, no, and that uh, blueprint that uh, was leaked today uh, by Amusement Leaks uh, indicates just one interior show scene, if I'm reading it correctly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just that one you keep seeing in the, the videos they show with the, the very basic figures going back and forth. Yeah. See, I, I must have misinterpreted, because at one point I thought there would be... Uh, a scene in the cottage, maybe the load station, 
a scene in the mine and also some sort of scene involving the witch. Um, and I guess we're down to just a scene with the mine. I don't know if the witch is involved, but I, I could have swear that there's maybe at least one other small interior scene, but maybe it's just a cave or something. I think That's she might really be a scene. little kill. Maybe. Uh, maybe. In, what was was Odin and his one eye busy over at Maelstrom <laughs> they had to get someone else to stand on the left hill? Possibly. They're going to play Fly to the Valkyries when you go up, too. <laughs> My biggest red flag was they're quickly putting in DVC kiosk and signage, and I'm like, how could that even be part of an e-ticket ride? Which I found it embarrassing that this is a focus of their, 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 like Mike said, their keystone of New Fantasyland is this, and the first thing they have ready to go is a DVC kiosk built into it. I mean, just outrageous. They're just telling you their priorities. They're, oh, they're not hiding it. Yeah, it's it's a uh, it's a uh, it's a land um, resort property that happens to have a few theme parks. I mean, that's what it, that's how they're treating <laughs> yes. it right now. Yeah. Yep. It's it's a real estate state scheme. Yes. Thank you for putting it much more eloquent, eloquently than I could ever. <laughs> Neither of us could talk tonight. Yeah. <laughs> may, what about Universal should take a page from their book, and after you do like the Defense of the Dark Arts class, you go into the Coca-Cola freestyle classroom, <laughs> learn about that, and get an opportunity to buy a cup. I mean, let's just take this marketing and just integrate hey, it throughout the entire ride. Hey, don't, don't, don't speak too soon. We've got this Harry Potter celebration coming up in a couple weekends, and for all I know, that's exactly what it's going to be. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Um, okay. Uh, one last uh, topic for tonight. Uh, we're running pretty long tonight. Uh, theme park re- uh, resolutions. Um, on Twitter, we asked for a bunch of theme park uh, resolutions for the new year from you guys. Uh, let's start out with um, our guests' resolutions real quick, and then we'll take your guys's, and then well, Nick, myself, and I, and uh, myself and I, uh, myself and Mike will answer. Um, Seth, uh, what's your theme park resolution? I'm sorry you, to put you on a spot right now, gonna, but um, see, my, my Orlando theme park resolution is to stop unfairly comparing everything here to Anaheim. Fair enough. Yeah, makes sense. It's a different kind of uh, park, different scope. Our Tower of Terror kicks your ass out <laughs> that, there. So that, just suck that is true. Totally That's true. true. And Haunted Mansion better here, except when it's Halloween. So there's two. That's two. Yeah, I think Haunted Mansion is def and see so you and uh, Splash you're, Mountain. You're breaking down my. Uh, you're breaking down my my resolution already. Stop <laughs> it's it. It's over. <laughs> I think Splash Mountain's better at uh, Disney World. I do have to say that's just personally though. So yes, with one exception, uh, they have a single rider line out in California. Oh, there you go. Okay, automatic win right there. <laughs> um, Derek, what's your theme park resolution for the new year? Oh, mine's actually the opposite of Len Testa, who on, on WW Today <laughs> he put that he's not going to have any sit-down meals at Disney World. And I'm going to go the opposite. I mean, I only do counter service for the most part. I really would never think of eating Lombards or even like Finnegan's, places like that. I guess I do like Mythos. But I'm not a table service type of guy in a theme park. So I'm going to venture out and do more table service restaurants, live that uh, one percenter life that Joe does and death flying across the country 
eating at the Blue Bayou or whatever they can afford. Naparos. <laughs> oh, Naparos. Carthay Circle. Carthay Circle. Why can't we have nice things? All right, I'll stop. I'm stopping. <laughs> we got NASCAR grill. <laughs> I just want those martinis from Carthay Circle. That's all I want. And Derek, the, and the Derek, cheddar biscuit balls. Derek, it's a date. We'll go to Emeralds together. I'll, let's, I'll teach you how to eat with a knife and fork. It'll be awesome. And we'll do the chop chop <laughs> over at Emerald Pacific first before we go. All right. Level. <laughs> Happy hour, five to eight every day. Five dollar appetizers. <laughs> Sounds good. Boom. There you go. So yours is going to be uh, more sit down restaurants. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, let's go to uh, Twitter real quick. Um, we have a few theme park resolutions. Um, theme parks for life on Twitter. His resolution is to get to Disneyland. So there you go. Uh, same as uh, Tink is a princess. Uh, they want to go to Disneyland. Good resolutions. <laughs> at at a five finger discount, the number five uh, is not to go. <laughs> so there we go. Um, Neff twenty thirty two uh, says various things I cannot afford because they require f- travel to France, China, Japan, or California. Um, so it sounds like he wants to go to something outside of Orlando. Um, Peplock, friend of the podcast, Peplock. Uh, wants to visit. Not my friend. He's a friend of the podcast. <laughs> friend of the park podcast, Peplock. Uh, well, he wants to visit uh, Universal Orlando for the first time. Awesome. So, yeah, that's a good choice right there, bro. Um, um, Sarky, Sarky Park News. Uh, he, they appre- they want to appreciate some theme park. Theme parks uh, work hard enough to ensure a high guest quality experience, and then follow it up with LOL JK. Um, there you go. Uh, laughing, pra- laughing Place 56, never heard of the guy. Um, he wants to uh, ride a, a, a ride at least 100 times in one year. Um, he said that uh, mm. he rode 75, uh, I believe Men in Black 75 times last year. Yeah, that's so, um, Yeah, so 100 times this year, uh, ride one attraction, which I just don't know how that's possible. That's crazy. I have, a, I have a friend who did Carousel of Progress like 40 times in one day. Great. Well, we all know Kendra who did uh, TTA for a thousand times in a year. I did Twister once. <laughs> <laughs> you win. That's, that's the standing record. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, there we go. Uh, we have a winner right there. Um, Disney Magic, 1106. Uh she wants to run her first Walt Disney World Marathon. I think that's a she. I think if I remember from Twitter. Apologies if not. But um, they want to run their first Walt Disney World Marathon. Um, Bob, uh, Bobby Wojcik wants to get on the podcast. So, good for him. Uh, <laughs> get him on. I'll yell at him. There we go. <laughs> I don't hear what he's saying. <laughs> and then, uh, last but not least, uh, friend of the podcast, <laughs> Light of and Hide, H-Y-D-E, um, they resolved to uh, make not to make any more mind train jokes because it's been two years and it's just too easy. <laughs> um, so, uh, Mike, what's your uh, theme park resolution for the year? I'm gonna finally eat at Mythos. Very good. Good. Very good. Uh, Nick, wow. what's your theme park resolution? I ha- I have two. Um, my first one is to get to Disneyland, which looks like it's probably going to happen this year for my 30th birthday which will be cool and, and um 
My other one is to explore the resorts at Universal more and to eat at some of the restaurants because uh, I've only ate at the kitchen. It's the only restaurant I've ever ate at any of the resorts at Universal. And I really wanted to go and go into those resorts and awesome. eat those yeah. places. We're definitely doing a night at Chop Chop. All right. Did you, get the, kitchen? Did you get the kitchen sink all the, re- all the listeners are invited. <laughs> <laughs> all on Lentestas tab. We'll expense it out. <laughs> I did not say that. <laughs> In case you're listening, Len. <laughs> yeah, we love you, Len. You're awesome. I bought enough of your books. Um, and you know, and mine, the perfect thing would be if they gave us media credentials for the Harry Potter opening, but you know, <laughs> I know better than that. <laughs> I thought you were Park Hoppers plus one. <laughs> yeah, me and Eric Davis will be buddy buddy. <laughs> Long hey, way. I got. This I was way. on the park harpers, man. I had my picture on there. <laughs> oh yeah, you did. Your very blurry picture with you in like the red hat or whatever you had. Yeah, on. and I got stared down by him too. <laughs> <laughs> Friend of the show, Eric Davis. <laughs> he looked like he was gonna kill me for real. <laughs> That's pretty good. And just to close it off real quick, I'm gonna share mine with Mike. I've not been the Mythos yet. I need to go. Whenever I go, it's closed. Or whenever I want to go, it's closed. So. I'm just going to have to do that next trip. So mythos for me. Um, This show has been going on forever and a half. So um, I want to put one more resolution out there, and this is for the people smarter than me, like uh, the amusement leaks that Seth – all these people putting in the blueprints, can you please dummy them up so people like me can understand them? I don't don't get it. I'm looking at what these supposedly grim, intrusive things on Gringotts, and I don't understand what's what. I drew a picture yeah, for the Nocturnally one, Derek. I, I did like Mike's little picture. Bro. It looked like a coloring book. It was the pre-designed for Anohito's design. I'm just glad to see someone still using MS Paint. <laughs> that was uh, That's actually an app on the iPad, Bamboo Paper. I was using a stylus. Yeah, because, that man, that was awesome handwriting for MS Paint. <laughs> I loved it. I needed it. <laughs> I want, oh. We should ju- we should actually develop Antihitos without the color and just make it all black and white and just like do that as like a coloring book. At least on the like, at least on the website, that'd be awesome. Give it to my three year old nephew and just let him color. <laughs> there we go. Um, you guys have any uh, last things you want to close out with? Any shout outs or anything like that? I just uh, I wanted to say thank you to Seth for coming on the show. Um, like I said, when I first started listening to UUOP, uh, I guess it was two years ago now. Um, I finally got back into podcasts after a while, and it was really exciting to hear somebody actually know what they were talking about. Talk about Universal, and uh, and this is uh, this is pretty cool to talk to you and um, pick your brain about some things. And hopefully, we haven't scared you off. Well, this was awesome. Uh, I'm really flattered that you guys had me on because I, I listened to the podcast and uh, I really enjoy uh, reading your blog. So please, yeah, have me on anytime. Um, I will. Always be happy to come on and t- pretend I know what I'm talking about. Well, it's better than us pretending we know what we're doing with all this technology because we just constantly drop and all that fun stuff. Um, Yay, no, Google Seth, Hangouts. I, I want to back up, Michael. That was the first time I heard you, too, was on UOP. I thought that was a tremendous show. You had great rapport uh, with Lee and Tracy. Was was Jim Hill on that show, too? I thought uh, there was a Oh, yeah, person. yeah. We, I, I did one with Jim Hill. Uh, okay, I've been on their show a couple times, yeah. Yeah, I so love that, talking to those guys. Um, I hope I get to do that your book. Soon. I think it's an awesome book. We're going to show it again. Go to I got it off Amazon, so go to Amazon, search Seth Kaberski, search yes. Universal Book. It's it's really a great resource for Universal Orlando. By seven, by twelve, 
<laughs> buy them all. Actually, I just went on Amazon. They only have ten copies left, so just buy all. Seriously? Of them. Yeah, awesome. I just I went Maybe on there we'll and go said to a new printing. Yeah, exactly. Or get it on Kindle. That'd be awesome too. Yeah, it's very important to have somebody, you know, covering Universal and 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 making books about Universal because there really is nothing out there. Without so. spelling errors. <laughs> <laughs> And Seth, Not, you, you mentioned yesterday you have a friend that's writing a book about the history of Universal. Yeah, uh, Sam Genoway, who uh, he's a, oh, an yeah. urban planner and a Disney historian. He's got awesome. a great book out called Walt and the Promise of Progress City. It's anything yes. you ever wanted to know about uh, the Epcot project before mm -hmm. it became the Epcot Park. Um, he's got a book out. It's in the unofficial guide line. It's called The Unofficial uh, Disneyland Story, and it's like a biography of Disneyland. Um, so he's right now working on researching a similar book uh, about the founding of Universal Studios, the whole backstory of, you know, did Michael Eisner really steal the plans? Um, you know, the, the whole uh, story of, of Jay Stein, uh, Sid Scheinberg, and, and how uh, Universal came to be in Orlando. So it's a really fascinating story, and he's talking to a lot of, uh, a lot of good people who worked there over the years. So I'm really excited to read it when it comes out. Yeah, it's I'm, really good oh, to hear. I am too, and you heard it here first, everyone. <laughs> oh, no, wait. Uh, you might need to edit that because uh, it might be under redacted. embargo. Redacted. 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll just bleep it out. No, 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 no. No, <laughs> no I'm sure Sam will, will be happy for people to know that he's working on his book. As yeah, long as someone doesn't come in and write another one before his. Uh, <laughs> I, I love his work on everything that he's done so far, so I'm really looking forward to that book. I, I want to know if the story about... Uh, Michael Eisner stopping on the way from the airport to Disney World <laughs> and hopping the fence is actually true. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure it will be in there one way or the other. Because Michael Eisner hashtag. <laughs> um, Nick, you have any other last shoutouts or anything like that? I would like to thank Derek Bergen for taking over our podcast tonight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Derek Bergen is the stand-in uh, Sean Huckle for the night. <laughs> I hope there's a major ed I mean, just thinking back of what I was saying and realizing there's probably a whole other conversation going on that I'm interrupting the entire time. Oh, my gosh. It sounds like an episode of Part of the Pixie Dead. <laughs> the improv. How's that for a plug? There you go. Listen to Part of the Pixie Dust, everyone. Uh, by Seth Kaberskis. K-U-R-B-E-S-K-Y, right, Seth? K-U-B-E-R-S-K-Y. Awesome. Google it. Amazon it. Buy the books, buy Disneyland Unofficial Guide, buy the uh, Universal Podcast book. Just the Universal books. Spend money. Sorry. Just spend yes. money. And, and otherwise, the terrorists win. Let's throw out tons of plugs. ToryPlans.com. You can read me and Seth every single week. Go to www.parkscope.net. Read our stuff. Uh, Sean's going to Disney World. He's going to write food reviews. Wish him Supposedly. luck. I'll Wish him luck. Know. He's going to California Grill. So... May the force be with him on that one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, He's also so um, a half marathon. So yeah. Oh God, yeah. Wish him luck there too. Um, where can um, Derek? Where can we find you on Twitter? Uh, at Derek Bergen. Cool, Seth. Where at, are you at Twitter? At S K U B E R S K Y. There you go. And then I'm Parkscope Joe. Nick. It's at Mister X underscore three eight one. And then Mike, last but not least, at CappedMichael87. Awesome. Uh, again, thank you, Derek. Thank you, Seth, for being with us tonight uh, through this 
major shit show of a show. Luckily, it kind of pulled together in the last about hour or so. <laughs> so that's awesome. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening, and uh, have a great week. Some other